You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. When Marilyn Monroe died on August 4th, 1962, it was to many as if one of the world's brightest lights had suddenly been snuffed out forever. The 36-year-old blonde bombshell had captivated movie audiences around the globe for the entirety of the previous decade, as films like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and Some Like It Hot became some of the biggest hits of their day. And her on-screen life was often less dramatic than her off-screen one, as she romanced everyone from Joe DiMaggio to Arthur Miller to President John F. Kennedy. So how exactly did this beloved actress and icon end up dead before she even reached her 40th birthday? The cause of Monroe's death, investigators said at the time, was likely suicide. She had apparently overdosed on barbiturates, purposefully ingesting an alarming number of pills over the course of only a minute. But not everyone bought the official account of Marilyn Monroe's death. Though she had struggled with personal demons, and some of her struggles, like her three failed marriages, had played out in public, many of those closest to her refused to believe that Monroe had taken her own life. They insisted that she had seemed happy in her final days, and that she was making plans for upcoming things like a trip to Mexico. Meanwhile, further examinations suggested that she may not have killed herself at all. Despite the high levels of drugs in her system, there were no pills found in her stomach, and a mysterious bruise hinted that she may have been injected with a deadly dose of Nembatol. To this day, the true cause of Marilyn Monroe's death remains controversial, and a number of disturbing theories have proliferated over the years, with many claiming foul play perpetrated by everyone from the Mafia to her ex-lovers John F. Kennedy and his brother Robert. But where does the truth lie? This is the story of Marilyn Monroe's death, from her bizarre final hours to the mystery that's lingered ever since. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting's associate editor, Leah Silverman, and today we're going back to 1962 and the shocking death of Marilyn Monroe. Before she was Marilyn Monroe, she was simply Norma Jean Mortensen. Born to a single mother in Los Angeles on June 1, 1926, Monroe had a volatile childhood and spent her early years being shunted between foster families while her mother struggled with mental illness. But despite her harsh beginnings, 
Monroe seemed to gracefully make the leap to stardom in her mid-twenties. After working as a model, she started booking bit parts in movies. Bit parts quickly became starring roles, and people across America fell in love. In a review of Monroe's 1953 film Niagara, which is widely called her first starring role, the New York Times raved, quote, The producers are making full use of both the grandeur of the falls and its adjacent areas, as well as the grandeur that is Marilyn Monroe. Behind the scenes, however, Marilyn Monroe's life wasn't all Hollywood glamour. She suffered from depression and possibly bipolar disorder, alongside ailments like endometriosis and gallbladder disease. What's more, Monroe battled through several tumultuous marriages and the very public breakups that resulted, including with her second husband, baseball star Joe DiMaggio, and her third husband, playwright Arthur Miller. And by 1962, the cracks in Monroe's famous facade had begun to show. At the time, Monroe was filming what would prove to be her last movie, Something's Gotta Give, but production wasn't going well. Monroe was frequently late to set, and when she did show up, she often flubbed her lines. Others later accused her of coming to work in a quote-unquote depressed and drug-induced haze, and she was ultimately fired for quote-unquote spectacular absenteeism in June 1962. This was shortly after Monroe had famously flown across country to sing Happy Birthday for President John F. Kennedy at Madison Square Garden, much to the great annoyance of the movie's producers. Yet despite the problems that plagued her throughout 1962, things still seemed to be looking up. After she was fired from Something's Gotta Give, Monroe begged to return, and the producers agreed. She signed a $1 million contract with Fox on August 1st and resumed filming. But just four days later, the world awoke to find that Marilyn Monroe had died at the age of just 36. So what exactly happened during her now mysterious final hours? According to police reports, the last phone call that Marilyn Monroe ever made was to the actor Peter Lawford, brother-in-law to both John F. Kennedy and Robert F. Kennedy. On the night of August 4, 1962, Monroe told Lawford to say goodbye on her behalf to both his wife and to the president, and to, quote, say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy, unquote. In the wee hours of the next morning, August 5th, at around 3 a.m., Monroe's maid Eunice Murray noticed a light on in Monroe's room. Alarmed by her lack of response to the increasingly urgent knocks on her bedroom door, Murray called Monroe's psychiatrist, Dr. Ralph Greenson, who rushed to his patient's home to check on her. Greenson had seen Monroe earlier that day and later recounted that she had seemed depressed, although not so depressed that he was overly alarmed. But as he peered into Monroe's window, he could see that something was terribly amiss. Unable to get into Monroe's room through her bedroom door, he used a fireplace poker to break in through the window, and there, tangled in her champagne-colored sheets, Greenson found Marilyn Monroe dead in her bed, clutching a telephone. He later wrote, I could see from many feet away that Marilyn was no longer living. There she was, lying face down on the bed, bare shoulders exposed, 
And as I got closer, I could see the phone clutched fiercely in her right hand. It was just unbelievable. So simple and final and over. Greenson called Dr. Hyman Engelberg, who had prescribed sleeping pills to Monroe, and Engelberg called the police, who arrived on the scene at around 5 a.m. Nothing in Monroe's house looked amiss, they later said, but they did find more than a dozen pill bottles on her bedside table. One empty bottle had previously contained 50 capsules of a sedative called Nembatol, which had only been prescribed to her a few days earlier, with a dosage of just one per night. But despite the empty pill bottles next to her bed, the exact cause of Marilyn Monroe's death wasn't immediately clear, neither to the authorities nor to her legions of devastated fans who woke up to see front-page headlines telling them that their favorite star had suddenly perished. After the news first broke, the world waited with bated breath for the results of her autopsy. Twelve days after Marilyn Monroe's death, the results of her autopsy were released to the public. Dr. Thomas T. Noguchi, who had conducted the autopsy on August 5th, wrote that, quote, I ascribe the death to acute barbiturate poisoning due to ingestion of overdose. At a news conference that day, the medical examiner, Dr. Theodore Curphy, additionally told reporters that, quote, it is my conclusion that the death of Marilyn Monroe was caused by a self-administered overdose of sedative drugs and that the mode of death is probable suicide. The report had found that Monroe had ingested a high number of pills at an alarming rate. Monroe had, Noguchi wrote, such high levels of nembatol and chloral hydrate in her system that he suspected she had taken the barbiturates in, quote, one gulp or in a few gulps over a minute or so. What's more, Curfee had also ordered a quote-unquote psychological autopsy on Monroe, which seemed to back up his conclusion that Monroe had died by suicide. The three mental health professionals who had conducted the psychological autopsy found that, quote, Miss Monroe had suffered from psychiatric disturbance for a long time, unquote. Despite her success and her scores of adoring fans, Doctors found that she had, quote, often expressed wishes to give up, to withdraw, and even to die, and that she'd even attempted to kill herself before. A re-examination of Marilyn Monroe's death 20 years later, in 1982, came to the same conclusion. It found that, quote, based on the evidence available to us, it appears that her death could have been a suicide or a result of an accidental drug overdose. Yet as the years went on and Marilyn Monroe passed into the realm of bygone legends, chilling questions and theories about her death have emerged. Not everyone accepts the official story that she died by suicide. In fact, many believe that something much, much more sinister was afoot that day in 1962.
For those who believe that Marilyn Monroe was the victim of foul play, the testimony of her friends and family provides compelling evidence that she was not suicidal. While some of them admitted that her death could have been accidental, many simply could not believe the idea that Monroe had decided to take her own life. In their telling, Monroe had plenty of things to live for, including the relationship she'd recently reignited with her ex-husband, Joe DiMaggio. Her half-sister, Bernice Baker Miracle, later said that, quote, It could have been an accident, because I had just talked to her a short time before. She had so many things to look forward to, and she was happy. Monroe's friend, Pat Newcomb, sobbed to the Los Angeles Times on August 5th, 1962, that, quote, This must have been an accident. Marilyn was in perfect physical condition and was feeling great. We had made plans for today. We were going to the movies this afternoon. And another friend of Monroe's, James Bacon, similarly stated, quote, She wasn't the least bit depressed. She was talking about going to Mexico. So Monroe could have died accidentally, but some people including those with a front-row seat to her autopsy, have implied over the years that she was actually murdered. One of these people is John Minor, who was the deputy district attorney of Los Angeles County and a liaison to the county's chief medical examiner coroner. He claimed that Monroe's stomach contents had mysteriously gone missing and that her autopsy didn't actually find any evidence that she'd ingested drugs. He insists instead that if Monroe had taken handfuls of Nembutal, as her autopsy claimed, the medical examiner would have found yellow spots on her stomach. Since Noguchi found no such spots, Minor concluded that Monroe hadn't taken the drugs orally, and since no needle marks were found on her body, she didn't appear to have injected them either. Thus, Minor believes that, quote, Marilyn Monroe took or was given chloral hydrate to render her unconscious. Someone dissolved Nembatol in water by breaking open 30 or more capsules. That person then administered the Nembatol-loaded solution by enema to Miss Monroe using an ordinary fountain syringe, or an enema bag, unquote. However, Noguchi disputes Miner's claims that the pills would have left yellow spots. But Miner is hardly the only person who believes that Marilyn Monroe was killed. Journalist Anthony Summers, for example, wrote in his 1985 book Goddess, that Monroe had told several friends shortly before her death that she planned to make some kind of big quote-unquote announcement about the Kennedy brothers. She heavily implied that she was heartbroken that Robert Kennedy had decided to end their relationship. Kennedy, Summers wrote, was concerned that word about his affair had reached his enemies, like Chicago gangster Sam Giancana and Teamster president Jimmy Hoffa. Thus, Summers suggests, he neutralized the threat. Did the Kennedys kill Marilyn Monroe? It's a deeply unsettling idea, but perhaps even that is not as unsettling as the official account of her demise. Though she was beautiful, beloved, and seemed perfectly happy to those who knew her best, Monroe nevertheless felt deeply alone and depressed in ways that even her friends and confidants could not understand. And perhaps in the end, that was what caused her tragic demise. Thanks for listening to History Uncovered. I'm History Uncovered's producer, Kit Westneat. If you like the show, help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
And be sure to follow the All That's Interesting and History Revealed pages on Facebook and Real History Uncovered on Instagram. Make sure you don't miss out on the new episodes and subscribe to the History Uncovered podcast. And keep up with our latest stories at allthatsinteresting.com. If you have a question about the show or just want to say hi, feel free to call us at 929-526-3029 or email us at podcast at allthatsinteresting.com. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Legends of the Old West and Redacted History. Until next time, keep exploring.